The much-anticipated Beverly Theater is finally opened in downtown Las Vegas. Touted as the only independent film theater in town, this beautiful space also serves as a venue for literary and music events. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking with director Kip Kelly about some of the upcoming programming the Beverly Theater has planned. We also ask, is an indie art house too niche in a diverse city known more for going big? It's Wednesday, March 15th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Kip Kelly, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, David. Appreciate you guys having me on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. They call you the chief experience officer. You're the founding creative director of the Beverly Theater downtown Las Vegas. You're two weeks in. How's it going, man? Oh, man. Uh, Overwhelmed by the response, I think, is, is a good way to put our first, well, we our first full week of programming kicked off this last Thursday, so we're about five days into that. Obviously, we grand opened and had some some free community events, but overwhelmed by the response. I think there's been a good buzz around the building, and a lot of people just genuinely walking up and thanking me. Probably just because I'm on the floor, although they should they thank Beverly as well when they see her. But just uh, a lot of just thank you for being here, which has been uh, probably the most satisfactory thing of, of it all. And that uh, Beverly is namesake Beverly Rogers, who's the uh, founding founder. <laughs> what do you want to call her? She's the visionary. The She's visionary. the chairwoman of the Rogers Foundation and also the uh, the visionary behind this whole thing. And Right. So, so what, um, what, what's been the biggest surprise so far? You know, we spent a lot of time before we opened trying to prepare for every possible scenario in terms of what people would like, what they wouldn't like, how our traffic flows would work, how our ticketing would work, how our promotions would work, how how the furniture in the lobby would work and how these seats would work and roll out. And, you know, it was an 18-month build. Uh, there was another year of design before that. I have a story about every single piece of screw and drywall and steel <clears throat> in this building. And when we opened the doors, none of that mattered. Uh, I think the surprise was just thank you. Just I was ready to talk about all that to to people and whoever wanted to hear. And pleasantly, they don't care. They just are happy that this thing is is existing uh, at the same time that they are in Las Vegas. Well, maybe next time we'll talk about you know tiles and please uh, do carpet. Please do because I wait. It would make the architect team so happy because we wasted. Not wasted. No, we wasted so much invested, time on that. Invested. Yes. So what yes. challenges have come up so far? Well, I think the best thing about this place is it's brand new. The worst thing about this place is that it's brand new. Sure. And anytime you open a building with this amount of technical capability, there are some stutters that come along with that. And I want to talk about that tech, Kip, because I've read that it's one of the most technically advanced theaters in the U.S. What makes it that way? That's actually something that was said by Coherent Design, who uh, has designed a lot of buildings. And so uh, I've definitely taken that quote and ran with it. But if they say it, it's got to be true. But the functionality and the flexibility, I'm sitting in the green room now 
if I wanted to see what's going on in the theater, I could bring up on the television in front of me what's happening in the theater. I could I could just tap into the projector from the green room if I wanted to. If I was up in my office, I could do the same. There's just a lot of signal flow capabilities and routing uh, with the push of a button that allows us to just send signals and transform different spaces into what we want. And that was that was part of the design intent early on. So the theme of the build was always flexibility. We, uh, we determined that early on and we ran with it. And then, of course, just the massive amount of premium sound that we have that Meyer provided. Our Constellation system, which allows us to change the acoustics of our, of our theater. All of the audio-visual capabilities, the lighting, the ability to, if somebody walks in and says, hey, I want to take this and put it here, or can I do this, or can we do that? The answer early on, we determined should always be yes. And I want to talk about programming too. We saw that uh, Escape from New York, the film and the film Leprechaun 3 are coming up. So you don't just play independent films, though that is part of what you're known about. Um, How do you curate the movie selection? Well, um, a lot of it is carefully crafted. We are farm to table. We take time to curate what we think Las Vegas wants to see. We try to bring titles that we think are unique and meaningful. And then sometimes, as in the case of Leprechaun 3, we just grab it and throw it at the wall and see what happens. And <laughs> I mean, there um, is a Vegas it, angle on that guy. There is a Vegas angle on that, for sure. The repertory stuff is important. Um, the national trend is that uh, a lot of people have not returned to the movie theaters for just the features or the first runs even. A lot of them want to watch that at home. So... We're showing a lot of really important titles. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, EO, is coming up this month. Those were both nominated for Oscars, and we think we're proud to be able to present those to Las Vegas. But things like Lost Highway, Escape from New York, Leprechaun 3, some of the other revival stuff we're doing, people really come out for those. That's the way that we can really eventize the space, showing those one-off things, giving people the opportunity to watch something that they've already seen a thousand times with friends on the big screen is just as important as presenting those titles that we think are meaningful and deserving of screen time in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I I like the programming, uh, but then again, it would appeal to me. I'm a pseudo-intellectual white guy of a certain age. Uh, Are you guys a little niche uh, with your audience? How how might you uh, reach the broader community? Well, uh, film bros are the worst thing to ever happen to to movies, so I'll I'll tell you that. So... um, if we ever start to get too many film bros, let me know because uh, we're going to go the other way. Yeah, if you see um, me too often, but... then you definitely want to start mixing up your programming, man. Um, no, I think uh, our programming um, is for everybody. We're not. We're in week two, um, and we're bringing titles. We've got two Oscar-nominated titles right out of the gate, and we've got two really good films. The Lost Highway, which sold out. We did Wong Kar Wai. Obviously, that sold out as well. So. I think we are certainly touching everything with our programming, even two weeks out of the gate, and we've got a lot more on deck. Now, it's not just a a movie theater. It's a gathering space. It's beautiful. I understand you're intending to do a lot of literary storytelling and even music events. How, how does a concept like the Beverly Theater contribute to the broader Vegas community? In other words, to make sure you're programming for as many people as possible. So 
part of my mission early on was to create some programming pillars that I think would would fill the space and monetize it in a way that we needed to and also fill uh, Las Vegas in the way that that it deserves. And so we came up with our three kind of core programming pillars, which are film, live, and lit. And of course, lit being short for literary. Our film film program is what we're anchored by. We have indie and revival film seven days a week. Uh, We have a great literary program with the Writer's Block next door. So all of their events will happen at Segway, which is our, our jazz terrace. Um, and then we have our live program, which will be concerts in the theater. And we had a great grand opening show with Las Vegas's own Echo and packed the house for that coming out of the gates. And, and that was that was an amazing thing for me to see selfishly because I, I, I had seen the, the, the room set up for film hundreds of times. It's the first time we really got to see what it looks like in, as a concert venue. And it, it looks and feels and sounds like a concert venue should, a true theatrical presentation of a concert. And one of the things that was extremely important was that we create these programming pillars, but that we we don't look like we are a jack of all trades and a master of none. We wanted to present the industry standard for each one of those verticals. If there is a film that is to be shown, uh, the true film purist should enjoy that film. And if there's a concert, it shouldn't feel like a movie theater converted into a concert house. And similarly with any author readings or book programming that we have, if if there's a book tour or, or something happened, those those writers shouldn't feel like it's a space that was kind of just made to feel like a fake book hang. It's really got to feel like, you know, every other place that they would stop on their book tour uh, around the country. And so it's easy for us to just say, we're going to do film, we're going to do live, we're going to do lit. But those three things uh, were really the catalyst for the building and how we designed it to make sure that when we activate any one of those pillars, it feels like the purest form of that content. And we think the city uh, will benefit from each one of those things one way or the other. Yeah, and that's really where I want to focus is on, you know, the city's needs and the city benefiting. I want to talk about Village Square. A lot of people know Village Square as one of Las Vegas's main theaters that showed a lot of independent films. I went to quite a few and they weren't really well attended. And then Village Square, Square closed last month. We know Beverly is a nonprofit. Do you think an art house theater can survive in Las Vegas and also make money? Well, that's the goal. A lot of people ask me about Village Square, and, and here's what I'll say Regal, they had debt issues. They're restructuring. It's a bankruptcy thing. I don't think that closing is a reflection of whether or not Las Vegas wants independent film. I also think it's a little bit sad that the closest thing we have to an art house is the second biggest movie chain in the country (laughs) Uh, with over 7,000 screens and 500 employees. So it's apples and oranges to me. Nothing Regal did at Village Square is, is what the Beverly Theater is about. And as a person who just likes theaters to survive, it's sad that it closed. I liked going there, but the business models are completely different. It would be an impossibility to even compare. We have no clue why Regal makes corporate decisions the way they do and why what closes and things stay open. We are a, a, a nonprofit. We have built a space that um, we can eventize. That's the most important thing. What some of the movie chains now don't do is, you know, just showing independent film is not enough. You have to have spaces that you can eventize. We are showing films that most people haven't heard of. And the only way that we can really sustain is by 
being a marketing driver ourselves and doing things that always drive the conversation. Now, Kip, you have an interesting background that involves a lot of marketing here in Las Vegas. I presume a lot of that was devoted to getting tourists to come to the, the things that you were helping promote. With the Beverly, it's kind of the opposite. We've seen a big, big drive towards locals to the point where some people even push back. <laughs> you know, why, uh, why aren't you uh, promoting to tourists as well? They got enough spaces, David. They got enough. Tourists have enough places. They don't need to be talked to anymore. It's time for people to start talking to the locals. Um, anybody who has a problem with that can come see me. Okay, tourists have enough places to go, and we love. Now, some guy from the, Iowa is going to hear this and show up and say, "Hey, man, am I not welcome here?" And then wait, give you. What did one. you say? Wait, wait, wait. Let's run that back, David. What did you just say? Because that's a key component of this. Someone from Iowa is just going to show up, right? Listen, we welcome all tourists. We love tourists, but it's time for for locals to stop feeling like tourists in their own market. That's it. We're a place that we designed for them. There's 2.3 million people in the city of Las Vegas. Uh, I would be stupid to try to reach any more beyond that because I need a fraction of those to show up and to hit the goals that we need to hit. So will tourists come? Sure. But we also know that tourists want to live more and more like a local when they travel. That is a fact. And that's that's a trend that's been developing over the last eight years. And that's any marketing 101 course. Tourists want to live like locals. When they go somewhere, they want to know where the locals hang. So there is a method to my madness, but there's also true intent and authentic connection to the madness. I am a local and candidly, I was tired of things opening and I was only being communicated to when their initial marketing plan failed and they sent me a mailer four months later saying, we love locals, come get a half off something. Hey, let me ask you, Kip, what sort of, and I, I use this word very broadly, but there's lots of components to the 2.3 million people who live in Las Vegas. We're not all the same in a lot of ways. There's different parts of the community. There's different cultures in the community. What are you doing to reach out to as many different parts of the community as possible? Through our content, the things that we do here hopefully are enough to fill each one of those segments of the 2.3 million people. Uh, it's one of the reasons we've been so aggressive with our programming. It's not because I, I had some dream where I wanted to be the most stressed out art house ED in the, in the country and, and throw a bunch of things into this space. The reason we are so aggressive with our programming and our content is because we want to hit as many of those 2.3 million people as we can in some way or another, whether it's the Native American community, whether it's the African American community, it's the Hispanic community. We want to make sure that what we are doing in some way or another, at least at one point, hits all of those veins. And it's it takes a lot of work to do that. You know, being an independent theater also means that you're independently owned and operated. We don't have a lot of help. We're not part of a national booking circuit. We don't have a giant concert promoter. Everything we do here is activated from an email for myself or someone on my team. And, and some of the people that we work with to help make sure that we hit those, those metrics. So the way in which we hit all of those demos is by a very aggressive program, which is hard, but it's not impossible. And that's what we're trying to do. And I assume that you're open to, if any of those communities feel that they're not being represented or served to hear what they have to say and help get that programming going, that's a softball, my friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Last question here. So all that considered, what are the big gets that you're chasing for this beautiful space, the Beverly Theater, Kip? 
anything that allows us to eventize the way that that we want it's when we run a film we will always want to try to have the director or somebody in-house and this isn't always going to happen right these are things that we that take time to ramp into i make all of these bold statements and and we're going to get there we're not there yet but when we show films we want somebody in-house to talk about it if we're going to show a concert we want we want the the audience to be able to engage with their artist in a unique way that maybe they haven't done before. Maybe they're able to bring up their their Ableton session and, and walk through the production of a certain track and then have a show. If we're gonna do a book reading, we, we wanna have a space that, that allows people to feel warmed and welcomed and safe, that they can engage in an in-conversation without being judged. The goal for us and the big gets is, is making sure that when we do something, there's always a, an intentional thought behind it to make sure that it feels different than your average movie theater, your average concert house, or your average book gathering. And I can talk all the smack in the world about what we want to do and what we're going to do, but these things come into fruition really rely on the community coming out and them taking over. I I ultimately want to lose control of this place. I want the city to come overrun and for them to define what these things are. I've given us a platform to jump off into, but but the reality is none of the things that we've planned for are going to be successful unless the city comes out and really just kind of plants their flag on it and says, this is ours now. Kip Kelly, founding creative director and chief experience officer for the new Beverly Theater in downtown Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you, David. Appreciate you guys. Love you, Vegas. And now a microdose of news. For reasons that aren't very clear, thousands of workers in Nevada's higher ed system have been dropped from a bill that would give multiple bonuses to state employees. Now, the bonuses were a promise Governor Joe Lombardo made in his State of the State address. No word yet from the Gov. And today is the first day of a new food reality, maybe a nightmare, for many Las Vegans. Yesterday, the feds began curtailing a pandemic-era supplement to SNAP benefits. One state official says, The end of these supplemental benefits for Nevada families will decrease the amount some working families and seniors are receiving by an average of 80 to 90 percent. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Is there something you really want to see at the Beverly Theater, like a Nicolas Cage retrospective? How about Oscar winner Brendan Fraser screening Encino Man with local fixture Pauly Shore? Let us know on the CityCast Las Vegas social media. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. All right, one bonus question uh, now that it's all done. Just off the top of your head, who is your dream get? Give me the name of the white whale that you want in your venue. Tarantino. Right? Uh, oh, just a whole Quentin Tarantino film fest with Quentin Tarantino and a number of stars. 
Look how selfish I am. You bring in De Niro, talk about Jackie Brown. I'm just I just let's just throw out uh let's just get Brad Pitt down here for once upon a time too. Sure. Well, and right. Leo. And Leo could be in the audience and then we could do it like we did the CityCast Live. Does anyone have any questions? And then Leo will have a question for Brad. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> Come on, Kip, dream big. <laughs>